0: Um, each, you know, Sunday morning, even this morning, we, we kind of share our testimony, what we call our pre-op, our pre-service experience, and just kind of share how lives are being changed. But the thing is, your resources are doing a lot to change lives, and one day you're going to experience the reward of that, whether you see it all together now, and I believe many of you will and have, but you're definitely going to see it in eternity. The scripture says in Luke 16, 9, it says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, and how many know they'll all be gone at some point? We can't take it with us, you know, as as we go. We can't, you know, we said this recently that money is oftentimes looked at as a means to an end, but the truth is money can be a means we can send. It's something we can send on ahead. It says when your earthly possessions are gone, then they will welcome you, to an eternal home. So your resources, one day, this is what that really is telling you, it's not just you're going to get a big house and a mansion in the sky and that sort of thing, but when you get to heaven, you're going to run into people and they're going to come up to you and say, because of your giving, because of your investment, I'm here and I want to thank you. I want to welcome you. Can I get an amen or something out there? Do you understand what that means? That's a, that's a high five around the house, you know what I'm saying? So uh, anyway, on this side of heaven, I just want to personally thank those of you who have been such faithful givers this year. uh, And your investment is making a huge difference, not just organizationally, but as I've said already, eternally. Your ERA, your eternal retirement account is being built, as we talked about in Matthew chapter 6. You know, you can store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts. Where thieves can come and steal and break in and, you know, tragedy can take away and devastation and something can decimate your finances here on this earth. But you can also, Jesus is, in, is, is, is about investing, but he's about investing in a sure thing and you can store it for yourselves, treasures in heaven. And many of you are doing that and I commend you. And I want to basically today give you some of the, the ROI I want you to see the return on investment a little bit. And so I'm going to show you some testimonials, some video testimonies, so you can kind of see what you are reaping, what is actually happening on this side of eternity uh, right now. In a way, this will sound a little odd to you, but I'm kind of like, as a pastor, the point person, like a broker. You know, you're investing dollars. And a lot of times people are not stewarding those dollars wisely. Uh, years ago, I, I, I kind of slashed a lot of our missions partners, and that sounds really horrible to say it like that. But what I mean is, when I ask questions like, what is your vision? What are you doing with the dollars? Can you show me, you know, uh, how it's fulfilling, you know, the scriptures and the Great Commission? And is there any, what, what's happening? I need to see the metrics of what's happening with these dollars. Many of them could not show me that. And so we made changes, and and as a result, we connected ourselves first with relationships that we felt like God was um, fostering. And you can pray for me about that, because uh, there's a lot of need out there. There's unlimited needs, and there's limited resources to meet those. And so we can't help everyone, but we can help some people. Uh, in a major way. And so we've been very select with our missions partners and more strategic about it, not just scattering seed and throwing it everywhere and hoping for the best, que sera, sera. No, we've been very, very strategic in planning it, and I believe that it's put favor and blessing on our church. Um, Another thing for you to know is that we're a tithing church, uh, it's one thing for me as a pastor to say, hey, you guys should do this, but then I don't do it myself. And, and I, I want you to know that I wouldn't ask you to do something that I don't do myself. And so I, I'm a tither, and I've been doing that for 22, 23 years. Um, and, uh, but as a church, we've been tithing as a church for many years as well. And a lot of churches don't do that, and so basically we live on less than 90% of our total revenues we operate on as a church. That requires the church to be good stewards because you can't continue to tithe and be a bad steward. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it should make you feel more secure knowing that we're tithing because it means we're managing money well in order to be able to do so. But the, the 90% we believe is blessed because we're giving 10% to these missions partners, and I think uh, it's incredible what has happened. In fact, we're so... Strict about it, I was just double-checking this about a month ago with our financial director and saying, I want to make sure we're giving first fruits in all that we're doing. So the first checks that we write at Connect Community Church are to these missions partners. We don't write another check. We are, we are faithful and we are faith-filled givers. We don't wait to see how all the money's going to come in the rest of the month. Nope. The first check goes to these mission partners every single month. And I hope that makes your heart go pitter-patter. So in short, it's a great honor to report to you some of these things today, and I, I want to give you some video updates from five of our missions partners. We will have a full report um, at, the, at, the, at the exit of the service today when you're going out. If you want uh, our, our kind of missions update to see where the money went and all the different missions partners we have and some of the different things that have happened, uh, you, can, you can get that on the way out the door. We have a kind of a full-color little um, uh, brochure or whatever, well, not brochure, but pamphlet for you when you go out uh... this the exit today The first one I want to show you, as the lights come down, is our is our missions partner, the Metro West Caribbean Mission. I believe there's no single experience that can change a person's life like going on the mission field, and uh, it's a value in our home. It's also a value in our spiritual house as well. And if you are interested in getting involved in this or finding out more information, the founder, who you'll see in just a second, he's a very colorful individual, and uh, and his wife are here in the second service uh, virtually every service except this weekend. (laughs) Wouldn't you imagine? But anyway. Would you just check this out? I want you to see one of our first missions partners, Metro West Caribbean Mission.
1: Hey, I'm Ernie Fry, and I'm the, your pastor's dad. <laughs> Believe it or not, he has a dad. And uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, welcome to the Lord's house. I'm also the uh, founder and chairman of Metro West Ministries, as well as Metro West Caribbean Mission. It's part of what I do, and uh, I'm thankful to you. I love our church. I'm excited about everything that's happening here and I want to say I hope you know that the kind of life transforming experience and atmosphere that exists here now just didn't happen out of the blue a high percentage of all Christians in America it's been my experience have a time in their life when they have a secret hope that one day they might do some great thing for a great God and I know you maybe feel that way as well but a very small percentage of all those who feel that way in our population a very small percentage ever actually do achieve the things they hope that they do for the Lord they don't actually apprehend it because they don't actually have a vision and vision by the way is the forerunner of provision it's not possible to get intelligent people to want to invest their hard-earned funds in some kind of operation that they can't totally understand the value thereof but if they can They will will support it. That's why I'm saying thank you to so many people today who have supported the things that we do in the third world because they understand what we do in the third world because they've seen it. First, before they were on site personally seeing what happens in the Dominican Republic and all aspects of our ministry there, first they heard the vision that God gave me. And when a vision is really from God, the person with the vision has an almost magical capability of transmitting to the people who he's speaking or she is speaking to them exactly what they're feeling and the person can apprehend that and as a consequence feel their role to support it. Therefore, the vision, the forerunner, tends to attract the provision that comes from people who support what needs to be done. And I want to say su- such a large uh, thank you and convey to you my gratitude uh, beyond all uh, explanation for the way that you've supported what we do in the third world, uh, as a matter of fact. i like to tell you a story about your pastor when he was a young boy. My wife and I had finished a, a trip uh, ministering through Africa, and we became good friends with uh, what is now a longtime friend of mine, Dr. Jerry Kibarabara. I'm actually uh, ordained by him in his country, Kenya. And he came to the United States for a visit and was sitting at our kitchen table at an evening meal and spoke to Derek when he was just a young boy and said, Derek, what is your vision? And uh, Derek said, I don't have any vision. I don't know a vision. And Jerry Kibarabar said with a smile on his face, that's very bad, very bad, Derek. And the next time I come, you will have a vision. I actually believe that was the beginning of my son's capacity to cultivate and entertain the whole idea of a vision which you now have seen come to pass through his ministry. And we've all had the joy, the excitement, and the inner sense of encouragement from heaven itself because one man stimulated and motivated a young boy to have a vision, and he has. And here we are sitting this morning in Connect Community Church, really inspired and carried to the place it is now by the leadership of my son, Derek Fry. These dynamic encounters with God empower individuals to accomplish things they never dreamed they could do. The vision of Metro West Caribbean Mission has changed, I guess, thousands of lives in a country I never intended to go to. to. It just happens. It's the way God responds when someone responds to Him when He has tapped them on the shoulder and said, Daughter, son, I want to use you. More than anything I could say today is, I want to take once again this time to express my heartfelt thanks to all of you who have been supportive of me in this situation. Metro West Caribbean Mission continues to grow. Two churches there on the north coast are the largest in that whole country, and it's my my privilege to have to have mentored both of those pastors. I appreciate all that you've done to to help us, every one of you who have come on missions trips, and all that you will do in the future as we cultivate and develop even more this great mission in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you richly. Amen.
0: Amen. As we keep going forward, um, one of our other missions partners is Barnabas Ministries. uh, One of the kind of sweet spots of Connect Community Church is really a passion to help leaders, specifically pastors. The Bible says, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Have you ever heard that scripture before? And so, no? Okay, well anyway, there you go. Um, In other words, the enemy is strategic and so if he can take out the key influencer, he can destroy a whole bunch of people in the process. He does the same thing with families and hit a father and destroy a family. It's the same idea in churches. So Barnabas is really strategic about trying to help uh, pastors and hold them up. I remember a movie I watched years ago, Superman, the, one of the earlier ones, and I remember uh, Lois Lane falling off a building or something like that, and Superman comes up underneath her and catches her. If you guys remember this, I'm dating myself a lot, but, uh, and, and, and he goes, I got you, Lois, and then Lois looked at him and said, yeah, but who's got you? And and, and who's holding up the pastors? And I want you to know that who's got these, these, these guys covered is Barnabas Ministries. Check out one of our other strategic partners and a mentor in the faith to me, Dick Germain.
2: Hi, I'm Dick Germain, the founder and executive director of Barnabas Ministries, a ministry aimed at supporting and encouraging pastors in one of the most difficult times in the history of America in which to be a pastor. I myself have pastored for 49 years, and I have experienced just about everything a pastor can go through, from the high points to the low points, to depression, to even leaving a church ahead of being kicked out. I know what pastors today are facing, and it's my heart's desire and the aim of Barnabas Ministries to help pastors. Let me give you one example. 67% of all pastors acknowledge that they do not have a confidant, close friend, or support in pastoral ministry. They're doing it alone. That's a formula for failure. 11 years ago, we started Barnabas Ministries when I stepped down from senior pastor of my former church, and in those 11 years, Connect Community Church has been with us every step of the way. The only church to put more money and greater prayer effort into this ministry is my home church. I look at Connect Community Church seriously, like the Apostle Paul looked at the church in Philippi. Periodically, we want to know how we're doing with the many pastors in our groups. We have over 200 pastors in support groups now. So we took a survey back in April and asked them certain questions. One question was, how long have you been in a group? 53% said that they had been in a group less than three years. That is significant growth. And the fact that pastors meet on an average in their groups every other week for two to three hours tells you what they're getting out of them. One of the questions we asked them was, what best characterizes Barnabas Ministries for you? 79% said. A place where I can build safe relationships. 75% said, A place where I find encouragement as I slug it out as a pastor. And 71% said, A place where I find support with all I need. We no longer know the exact number of pastoral support groups because the movement has now gone viral. For example, Uh, We have a pastor in California who contacted us a while back, said, I want to start a group out here. Can you help me? Two different pastors in parts of western New England did the same thing with us in the last several months. We have a pastor in the greater Hartford area pastoring one of the largest churches in New England. Four years ago, when he took that pulpit, he began a support group for pastors knowing how difficult it was today to pastor and that they would need help or they wouldn't make it through ministry. Only about 10% of all pastors now make it all the way through to the point where they retire as pastors. Four years later, this pastor now has three groups going, and one of his associates is in the process of starting a new group. I received a call recently from a pastor in Michigan who's about to retire. He said, I've been on your website several times. I like what I see you doing uh, with pastors. I want to talk to you about how can I do something similar to that. We now have grown to the place where we also have six uh, distinct regions which we call Barnabas Ministries Regional Centers. I have a director over each one of these who oversees the groups there, cares for the pastors there, because they too know what it's like to be in pastoral ministry today. Each of them is committed to building as many groups as they can. In conclusion, I want to say with all my heart to you folks at Connect Community Church, I thank God for you, not only for the financial support and the prayer support you give us, but especially because you have a genuine kingdom vision, as well as a great vision for building the best church you possibly can. I commend you for it. I stand with you in it, and I say God bless you. Isn't that awesome?
0: Isn't that awesome? Love Pastor Dick, incredible leader. You guys made that possible. I want to also show you our next missions partner, One Hope, Uh these are some very close friends uh, of mine. Um, Rob Hoskins, uh, you know, is an incredible man of God. You'll see him. These are some of the humblest people on the planet. I'm, I, just being with them, I, I literally, I, I just, I'd fly anywhere with them, go anywhere with them. They're just incredible people. I don't know how to explain it. These are just life-giving relationships. They're changing the world. Their vision is uh, Every Child, the Word of God. Um, you'll see in our missions update that uh, they're just shy of reaching one billion children with the Word of God in their 40 years of ministry. Um, incredible organization, and um, they're getting it done. Just recently I told you about the partnership between Version and This Is One Hope. These are the guys that created the new Kids Bible app. So just check it out. Here's Rob Hoskins. What your giving did specifically, Connect Community Church did that right there, 38,900 people.
3: Hello, Pastor Derek and Stacy and everyone at Connect Community Church. This is Rob Hoskins, president of One Hope. I just wanted to personally thank you for your partnership this last year. Together, through your giving, we were able to reach 38,690 children and youth with God's word. That's
0: Connect Community. When we look at these numbers,
3: it's easy to lose the focus on the individual, but each number is a child. I want to share with you about one of these. His name is Jun. Like millions of other people in China, June was left behind at home with his grandparents in a rural area while his parents were part of the great urban migration. They were looking for jobs in the city. He was devastated when his parents left. He felt lonely and depressed. Then last summer, he was part of a One Hope scripture initiative in his hometown. Soon after, he came to know Jesus as his savior. The next time his parents called, he shared about his new faith in Jesus, and he was so filled with joy and excitement. He even used the materials that he received to share the gospel with his parents, and then he led them to pray over the phone for salvation. This is the power of God's word. It is an unstoppable seed that is spreading and changing lives around the world. We are so blessed to walk alongside partners like you and to be part of God's work to reach every child with his life transforming word. And we couldn't do it without you.
0: Isn't that awesome? Just so you know, 1% of our, I appreciate your applause. Trust me, I want to celebrate so bad. But uh, just for the sake of time, 1% of our total budget goes to One Hope. Our next partner is the Association of Related Churches. There may be no single organization that I've been a part of where, I haven't seen, where, where I've seen the hand of God so manifest. I was actually at the first roundtable when this association began with just a handful of men. Uh, the co-founder uh, of the ARC uh, and... Um, you know, a pastor in my life, Pastor Chris Hodges, the over, one of our overseers in this church. Uh, we'll speak to you in just a second, but I've seen this thing grow and literally sweep the country uh, in just a profound way. Currently, now we have uh, churches from all over the United States becoming a part of this. If you've heard of people like Craig Rochelle, LifeChurch.tv, or just recently Rick Warren signed on as a partner of the Association of Related Churches, and we'll be hosting our first ever West Coast uh, Conference at Saddleback Church this next November. Uh, Robert Morris, different ones. Uh, It's just an incredible organization that's some of the most influential men and women in the kingdom of God are a part of it. And you're a part of it because we give 2% of our total budget to planting churches all throughout America. It is statistically the most strategic way to be able to reach the lost. And so here's Pastor Chris Hodges. Check him out.
4: Hi, my name is Chris Hodges. As a member of the lead team of ARC, I just wanted to say a great big thank you. Your generous giving through your local church to ARC has enabled us to plant 370 churches all across the United States and 70 brand new churches just this year. That's a new church every five days with an average launch size of over 240 new people and hundreds of people making decisions for Christ. Together this year, you have helped us train hundreds of church planters, and we've invested over $3 million in their launch days. And of the churches that we planted together, the combined missions giving of those churches is over $8 million just this year alone. That means your faithful giving at your church is not only planting churches, but it's planting churches that are making a difference in the lives of people all around the world. We are on pace to plant another 100 churches in 2014, so keep praying for this great work. Thanks again for your leadership and commitment to building the local church. It's making a difference. God bless you.
0: Incredible. So if you guys can understand that we're not only giving money to plant churches, but then those churches... Uh, raised $8 million of new revenues to plant churches. Is that incredible? I mean, so you're seeing the replication of that. Our our last missions partner that I'll highlight this, this morning is a sweet spot for me, uh, Relate. Uh, it's a coaching network, you know, growth in the context of relationships, specifically for pastors. And uh, this is kind of, a, I think, a calling uh, for our church and on my life in recent years, just kind of accepted that. And uh, Pastor Randy Bazette, many of you know, is one of my closest friends in ministry and in life, really, his wife Amy and the kids and whatnot. We just love them tremendously. But he founded uh, Relate to kind of pick up a mantle from a man of God who passed on to be with the Lord and just who was a coach and a mentor to many men like myself, uh, uh, Billy Hornsby. And this ministry has just burgeoned. And uh, uh, we're, we're we're really vested in this. Just last year, just to give you an idea of what you did that maybe you forgot last year at this time, we took a, a one-time offering. We don't pass a plate during the services, but occasionally we take a special offering. We raised $25,000 in one service uh, to give to Relate, and I want you to see what happened with your mission's dollars and what's happened with the investment in connection with Relate.
5: Well, what's happening, Connect Community Church? My name is Randy Bizet. I'm pastor of Bayside Community Church. I'm also the president of Relay Coaching. And I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for your generosity, your involvement in Relay Coaching. And Relay Coaching is simply this. It's a coaching network where we help encourage and invest in other churches across America. In fact, you have been involved in this. You have been involved in helping hundreds of churches across America, coaching them, and making a difference in them and helping their churches grow and make a greater impact in their area. Listen to this. Just a couple of months ago, we had a relate Conference right there in the Boston in the New England area. And we had pastors from all over the area that came. We also had, listen to this. We also had seven pastors from the Greek Orthodox Church that were there. That's kind of cool. I mean, that really is amazing. That shows you the impact of relate Coaching. And those Greek Orthodox priests They signed up for Relate Coaching so they can learn how to grow their church and make a greater impact for the kingdom of God. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Listen to what pastors are saying, though, about Relate Coaching. I wanted to read you this testimony and tell you what this pastor said. His name is Jason Smith, and he's the lead pastor of Good Life Church. He says that you guys are really making a difference. He said, thanks so much for uh, giving us Relate and helping us. Uh, Pastor Derek is a Relate Coach who's personally investing in Jason, this pastor that I'm talking about. And he says that he has learned so many things from Relate Coaching, from service times and when to have service times and how many chairs to put up and how to invest and raise up leaders in his church. All of these things have come as a direct of him being involved in Relate Coaching. And he says, thank you so much. And this is not just information that he's getting, but he personally says it's bigger than that. It's more about the kingdom of God than it is about Relate Coaching. And he's saying because of the heart, the relational component of Relate Coaching, that it's helping him make an impact in his community and in his church. And I wanted to say, Connect, you guys are amazing. You guys are making a huge investment in this. I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart and for hundreds of pastors across America, thank you for your investment. You guys are making a huge difference. I really appreciate it. And, by the way, Connect, next year, Relate Coaching is coming to your church. You'll be hosting an event, (laughs) a Relate One Day conference at Connect Church next year in October. Thank you, guys, for all that you're doing. I love you. Thank you for your investment in the kingdom
4: of God.
0: Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for all our missions partners and what you did. I commend you. I commend you. What a great job. I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, we got to get ready for Relate next year, so we have room, amen? Last, last time we hosted it here, we barely had room, so praise the Lord, we'll, in Jesus' name, be done with some of the renovations by the time that happens. All right, so that's what we did do, okay? That's what happened. Now imagine what, with the, with the resources that we've raised for Connect the Dots, can you imagine what we can do in this coming year? In other words, when you look back and you just take a percentage of the total revenues of Connect, uh, you know, 13% of our income was given last year to missions, these missions partners. And you get to see a little bit about what happened and some more if you want to read about it. But if you look back and you say, look at what we did, I, I got to tell you, when you realize what, we, what we've raised in resources this year, I hope you can just kind of feel the excitement and the anticipation about what uh, we're going to do and what's going to happen because it's so cool to see, I think dollars can translate to souls when the connection is kingdom do you understand what i'm saying like one hope basically said for, basically this is their metric for every dollar they reach three kids with the word of god approximately so you can see when when we when when you can see what we did we we raised almost thirty-seven thousand kids with the word of god you did that you did that it was awesome to see that it's incredible to watch what happens. But be- before I disclose where we are currently in our numbers, and I say currently because I believe this is a process and a journey, I just want to say, first of all, I hope that the vision, for those of you who are here with any consistency, the vision was clear. And from the beginning, when it comes to Connect the Dots, I've tried to communicate that this is a journey, that it's a, this is a process, that this is something that uh, can change you for the better if you allow it to. And, and, and the truth is that it's, it's way less about money. It's about ministry. But the more money, the more ministry that we can do. And in fact, my job is actually uh, not to raise dollars, but to just raise awareness or raise vision in our lives. Just like my father was saying earlier that vision precedes provision. And so your job, your job as a church, and you caught this, was to pray. Just talk to God. And then just simply do what he says. Pray and obey. And, and that's what many of you did, and I thank you for that. And there's two different kind of approaches that a lot of people in my position uh, pursue in situations like this. They go into a capital campaign, and they try to raise as much money as they possibly can. And I want you to know that wasn't my, really wasn't my focus. My focus was to get people to do what the Bible says first. And even if, even if listen, even if the campaign failed, But if the culture was healthier, if people began to follow what God's word said, and they did what God's word said, for, for example, emphasizing the tithe, returning to God what is already his. If people would just tithe, there's no need for a campaign. And so my, my emphasis has been more on that. And many of you caught that, and I'll highlight that in just a little bit. But there's different levels of giving. There's, there's kind of returning God what's already His. There's offerings, and then there's that sacrificial level of giving. And we really experienced all of that in this campaign. And if you're, by the way, if you're new to this, we don't talk about money all the time. But this is kind of a, this is kind of a highlight today of what... Uh, connect has done and I hope you are you guys interested in this information okay I need a little bit of participation once in a while but it's been my conviction my conviction kind of my heart cry that people would just do what God says because I know you'll be blessed I don't want you to kind of rob Peter to pay Paul or just kind of swipe it and then wipe your tears later asking why did I do that you know I I, I don't want that I w- again I'd rather fail in, in 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 the campaign and succeed at having people give to this and not but 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 not follow God's word, and so I believe in the wrong wrong run. It's better for you. It's better for the church. It's just better all around for everybody. We're blessed to be a blessing. That's been the vision from the beginning. And so, in short, if 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 we're struggling in our finances, and if you're out there and you're struggling in your finances, um, there's really only three reasons it would be. You know, I heard uh, Pastor Roy Stock still say this. He said, "One is waste. We're just not stewarding wisely. Two, we're dishonoring God. We're not doing what He says." And then three, we don't have enough vision. We don't have vision. We don't really know what we're living for. We don't have an eternal perspective. And so I believe as a church, we've done a pretty good job at this. And we're getting better all the time. And I intend to get better. I intend to be a good leader in this area for you, even better as we go forward. So here's what, here's what, what happened. And I don't want to tempt you to give you a true picture without overemphasizing numbers, but I'm going to give you some numbers, okay? So here's our total first fruits offering. Our total First Fruits offering, this is what this represents. It represents the cash that came in, all right, so that we could immediately do something. And that was one of the things I was trying to emphasize. And so our total First Fruits cash offering was $294,613.28. Is that unbelievable? Just to give you that in perspective... Okay, this is nearly five times greater than any single offering in the history of our church. We had a one-time offering seven years ago of sixty-four thousand dollars. Other than that, nothing has exceeded our relate offering last year of twenty-five thousand. The average first fruits offering, according to Enjoy Stewardship Solutions, a company we've consulted with, is between three to five percent of the total. We crushed that number, and so. A, anyway, I'll continue. So that's our total First Foods cash offering. Our totals, this is pledges plus cash offerings to date. So the, the cash offering, 294000 plus our pledges, came to currently $756,931. Yeah. $756,900. All right? So, All right. Now here's what's really encouraging to me as a pastor because this, is what, this, is what, what, this shows me that you guys get it. This is an important fact for, for the full picture. Our total new revenues by percent and dollars to be applied to the general fund. Uh, this is, again, just estimated over the next two years. And I'll try to explain this better as I go, but this is over the next two years, this is the total increase in percent in revenues going to the general fund, not connect the dots, going to uh, the dollars, the actual dollars, over the next two years, but actually it'll be beyond that. And this took place during the economic series. It was $360,000 of new income over the next two years. $180,000 per year. A 30% increase in our tithe base over the economic series. So, so here's what that means. The reality is that some of you get it. Some, some pastors won't say this because they think, well, they're all set. They don't need my money. This is what I think. I think that people who give will be blessed, and I think to whom much is given, much is required. So I think there's a capacity on our church to do more because more money means more ministry. More ministry that we do for God, more blessing for the people who are giving to ministry. Does that make sense? And so I'm not afraid to give you that. I'm actually excited to be able to give you that because it's basically saying that there's been a there's a culture shift in our church. We have more people believing what God says. And I am praying for you with all my passion that you experience the blessing and that you kind of hold on. I want to be very personal about this as much as I can. I'm amazed truly at what some people in this church gave. Uh, and it's far less about amounts to me. It's much more about sacrifice. There are few people, there are a few people here who just shocked me. And some people here can and are able to do something significant. In other words, it's easy to write checks. But some decided to do something sacrificial, and it, it took faith to do that. And I just am amazed by you. It's an awesome um, place to stand and sit and watch. I know some of you. I know your situations, and I can only say that God is well-pleased with you. It's just unbelievable. You'll be blessed in this life and in the life to come, and I'll show you that in the Word in just a little bit. To be even more transparent, I believe the first fruit offering was so high because that's what was communicated most. This is an old phrase, and this doesn't fit perfectly, but the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And what I basically said to the church was, hey, the social space of our church is an important component in the journey of Connect the Dots. The first dot, I think you heard me, was really important. There There was a valid... Um, a conscientious, whatever, concern that you would not see social space as spiritual, but you did. You did. That's why you gave $294,000 to it, because you realize that it's critical to our church. You also realize that there's a sense of urgency, that if we don't do something, we'll actually push people away. Now, we had an icy day today, but we would have been full this service. It wasn't for that. And we, we project out, because we keep track of this stuff, come, next, uh, come early part of the year, January to Easter, we're going to be, unfortunately, if we don't do something soon, we're in essence saying, by the way, there's no room for you here. People do, when you go to a movie theater, people don't like it full. They like room. When people come to church, they don't like it so crammed either. So we need to make room. Does that make sense to people out there? You understand what I'm saying? And so you guys got it. And I just want to say thank you for catching it because we've got a great front door, but we've got to close the back door. And it'll begin when we're able to start construction. And construction will start right away now because of what you did. And as the money keeps coming in and pledges and you're faithful giving to that, we'll be able to finish the project by Easter. Cash. Cash. Praise the Lord. So that's awesome. This is what I also believe. I believe in the future the continuation of the vision will become more significant to you because it will get more uh, articulation for it. Let me say this. There will always always be more vision than resources. That's my job, (laughs) is to always give you more vision than we have resources. Yet a contrasting point is there must always be more margin and resources to accomplish it. So these two things are always in a tug of war. You guys tracking with what I'm saying? I hope I'll always give you more vision than resources. I, I really do because this is what builds our faith and what keeps, our, keeps us going. But in order to accomplish the vision, uh, we will do it at the speed that you give. So my job is to give you the vision. My job's not to raise money. My job is to raise awareness and raise vision. Uh, it's, it's our job as a church, including me, to give to it. Does that make sense? So the speed at which we accomplish the vision is determined by all of us as we give. The church determines the speed of the vision becoming the reality. And so in a way, this is sound weird, but the pressure is off me. It's on us. It's on us, all of us, off me as a pastor, on all of us as the people of God in this church. And so our plan as we go forward is to create more margin, resources, and financially so we are ready for next steps, more dream team, more resources in the bank so that we can start a new campus in the future. Now, before I I let you go, I want to give you a kind of, you guys excited about that? Was that exciting? Can you give the Lord a big hand clap around the house for that? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you honor and glory to God. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. I hope it comes through. I'm trying to say things right and not mess things up, but like I could just ball right now. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep on going. What will help me keep going? Okay. So uh, this, is, this is what I prayed about as a kind of, I'm give, can you guys give me 14 minutes? Can you do that? All right. I want to give you a quick word before we move into the, the fast pace of the holidays. All right. Everybody knows the holidays are coming up, right? And I felt the Lord kind of prod me to kind of, I don't know, exhort is a, is a kind of strong word, warn a little bit, prepare you for the temptation and the allurements of a uh, uh, extremely indulgent uh, season, fiscally and Physically. You know, Thanksgiving, I probably, you probably said, could you just started this a couple of days ago? It would have been helpful. So as they wrap up economics, I'm going to call this little devotion, this little message and I might not give you all the notes because of time, but the devil and the dollar, okay? The devil and the dollar, all right? Here's some things. For those of you who like to take notes, get into it fast. I'm going to unpack a few things real quick, and then I'm going to read something from Matthew 6:24, and then later I'm going to come back to uh, Luke chapter 18. All right, here's some some quick facts. Number one, money is essential, okay? Here's some facts regarding money. Money's essential. There's no problem having money. The problem is money can have you, right, in the process. But money is necessary in order to accomplish things. Ecclesiastes tells us that money solves problems. It's it's necessary for everything to have money. Ecclesiastes 10.19, by the way. Money is also neutral, It's really neither good nor bad. People say money is evil. No, it's not. We determine that. We determine whether it's used for good purposes or bad purposes. It's really just a test, money. It's a tool, something we use to accomplish certain things. It's a trademark. It shows really where our heart is, what we belong to, what's important to us. Money just reveals our heart, our loyalties, our abilities. The last thing and the one I want to camp on a little bit is money is spiritual. This is the one I really want you to see today. All money has a spirit on it. And I'll come back to that in just a second. All money has a spirit on it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot, Jesus said, serve God and mammon. Everybody say mammon. Mammon. I'm going to unpack that word a little bit, but you're going to have to, the scripture is saying, you're going to have to make up your mind on this. You'll have to choose. There's not like, like going to be a, you can take them both, I'll have it all. We're either serving God or we're serving money. And so the focus today is that God, we, we know this from the scriptures, the Bible says God is a spirit, but mammon is a type of God, not the one true God, but, but it's a spirit, a spirit of mammon. It's a small g, it's like the, it's like the money God, mammon. It's the only thing in the Bible where Jesus says you can't serve these two things. And the way we relate to money is the acid test of who we are serving. So, so what the heck is money, basically, as my father would say? What the heck is money? What the heck is mammon, I should say? Mammon comes from an Aramaic word which refers to riches. Mammon is... The short version is it's the money God. It's, money, it's the money God personified, all right? This word originated in, from the Syrians, and it meant, again, God of riches. And this Syrian word actually came and got its roots from Babylon. Anybody ever heard of Babylon? Yeah. All right? We're, that's where people just babble on and on, right? Uh, no, that's just seeing if you're paying attention. All right? Well, Babylon is where we get that whole story of the Tower of Babel, right? Tower of Babel. Babel means... Uh, sown in confusion, or a, or a city of confusion, that was the result of this spirit of mammon, this Babylonian spirit, this root spirit. Eventually, what happened was this Tower of Babel. It was kind of it, Genesis twenty-two. It was or eleven. It was man's message to God. It was, it was really the people, man, saying uh, they were building a system. They were building a structure. They were building kind of a, a belief system. A, a Babel uh, represented a prideful, arrogant uh, spirit on people who, in essence, were saying, we don't need you, God. We got it. We can do anything and everything on our own. There was this spirit that says, I, I, I can take care of all of that. You don't need God I can take care of all that. This is, this is where this root problem came from. This spirit of mammon came from. Mammon is a spirit. And by the way, it talks. It tells you things like, don't give to connect the dots because then you won't have enough to do da 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 It talks to us. Mammon is a spirit that rests on money if not attended to. All money has a spirit on it. It's either God's spirit which blesses it or it's mammon which tries to control and rule you. And Jesus said you can't serve both. You can't serve the true God and place, you know, uh, uh, in place of God's Spirit. And that's why it's so important. That's why I, I, it's not a have to. Well, it is according to Scripture, but that's why it's so important to tithe because then your money is now blessed. It's protected. Malachi says that he'll protect and provide. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's what the tithe does. That's what, that's what keeps it from the spirit of mammon. That's what keeps it serving God and not serving mammon. And the scripture says, actually, that if you are not serving God, you're serving mammon, and you'll despise God, in essence. That's what happens. People begin to think, you know, they start blaming things on God. They hold God responsible for things. When you try to serve both, that's the ash. That's what happens. you always end up despising the one you're disloyal to. And this means you'll end up mad at holding responsible for the one that actually we've been irresponsible to. It's kind of interesting. Maybe not interesting. It's going to get quiet here. Mammon will try to get you to serve him and take the place of God in our hearts. Here's the big idea. We can believe in God. I'm not saying people don't believe in God who serve Mammon, but you can believe in God and you can still serve another God. But you can't serve both, though. You can believe in one, but you can't serve both. Here's what it says in Luke 18, all right? This is the story of the rich young ruler. Incredible story here about a man who had a problem. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, murder, or steal, or give false testimony and honor your father or mother. He said, All these I've kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Isn't it incredible how Jesus can put his finger on the one thing we have a problem with? Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. By the way, I believe rich people, there are people with affluence and wherewithal who serve God wholeheartedly and they get the big picture. So this doesn't apply to everybody, but it's very common that rich people don't Uh, and are controlled by money. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what's impossible with men is is not impossible with God. Then Peter pipes in and says, "Uh, we have left all we had to follow you. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one has left home or wife or brother, um, uh, brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Eternal life. So here's the deal. This guy was a good man. He kept the Ten Commandments. You know, he did what was right according to the law, but he had one little problem. He had one, there's one thing he had an issue with. And I believe this, and this is my opinion, and I, I like to separate sometimes. Sometimes I preach very boldly, and other times I want to present something that's an opinion. But this is an opinion of mine. I believe that this, um, this would be the disciple who would replace Jesus, that Jesus was recruiting one of the, a new 12, one of the 12. You know, Judas betrayed. Jesus, he was the devil who had a problem with the dollar, Judas, and he was destroyed by his, by his problem. But it was interesting that he goes to this man and he puts his finger right on the thing that could change the course and trajectory of his life so that he could fulfill his purpose. Jesus always he uniquely called people. He called people and just say, Come and follow me. He did that with Peter. He did that with Matthew. He did that with many of the disciples. Nathaniel, he did it with James and John. And he's calling this person to be a disciple. And I believe he was, he was, he was, he was going to be one of Jesus' twelve. But he walked away sad. Why? Why did he do that? Because he loved money more than he loved God. What can we learn from this rich young ruler? Number one, he represents, I believe, every believer, every type of Christian there is who has a wrong relationship with money. There's no doubt this guy went to heaven. There's no doubt that this guy was a good man. But, but he was a believer with a problem. It kept him from fulfilling, I believe, his potential. Let me just say this. There are good-hearted people, good people in this room. But if you have a wrong relationship with money, it can keep you from the great plan that God has for your life. You're full, you're full a complete destiny in God. It won't keep you from going to heaven, don't get me wrong, in, in most cases, although 1 Timothy 6 does show some traps that are there for us. It won't necessarily keep you from God's love, that's for sure, but it can keep you from your true destiny, a love for money, serving mammon. Luke 18, 22 says, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. You can't serve both and fulfill your destiny. Ultimately, you're going to have to decide. The historical fact about this particular story is that this conversation actually happened in 33 approximately 33 AD. What's interesting, what we don't always know until digging into it that in 70 AD the Romans came in and just wiped out and decimated this particular area and all the all the Israelites lost everything they had. So this particular individual who was very wealthy living for that really had, you know, a little over 30 years to enjoy it. And I believe really this this is why I'm telling you that is because he gave up being maybe one maybe one again maybe you can think about it you can process it for yourself one of the 12 for money that would last 30 years Here's the here's the second point he was a good man but he could have been a great man Think about this. Peter was watching this. And, of course, Peter's kind of an interesting character all by himself. And he's always paying attention, and he's always got something he'd like to add. But Peter says this. He says, uh, you know, what's, what's up with all this? We've left all we had. And Jesus says, hey, listen. Uh, uh, Peter says, we've left all we had to follow you. Truly, exclamation point, I tell you, Jesus says to them, So he goes really big into this. No one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. It's harder, you know, Jesus is saying, it's hard for rich people to get to heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But now there are many rich who have this this, this wrong relationship with money, but some don't. And Peter's there watching, and he's wondering, do you notice that? And Jesus is saying, absolutely, I notice. Let me tell you something, Peter. Anyone who gives up anything to serve me will receive many times more in this life. That's what this scripture says. Are you guys hearing this out there? Yeah. There are no losers to those who give to the kingdom. No losers. Why did, the, why did the rich young ruler walk away? Because he walked away because of his love of money. He had money, but money had him also. First Timothy 6 says, for the love of money, it's not evil, it's neutral. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2 says, mark this, in the last times, last days, people be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. I'm just telling you, church, we have to watch out for that. Be careful. Be careful. Because the mammon God, the little, the God of money, it promises everything that God does. But it doesn't deliver. You know, I saw this story about this pornographer who had this huge home. And they were doing this whole, like, you know, I don't know what the show was or whatever, but they were just highlighting this guy's home. And and he was just talking about all that he'd been given and, and all that he had and all his wealth and. But he did it through immoral means. Money comes to us and says, you can, ha- you can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want, illegally, immorally, and have as much as you need. And if you'll serve me, I'll make you, pr- I'll promise you, I'll give you these four promises. I'll make you secure. I'll make you a somebody. I'll give you, I'll make you happy. I'll make you fulfilled. I'll, pr- I'll, I'll, pr- I'll make you free. All these different things that mammon promises, but it actually doesn't do any of those at the end of the day. And this is what, you know, sometimes it, it looks like on the outside, but it's really not reality. I heard this quote from Jim Carrey recently. He said this. This is incredible. This is, a, this is a man who's fabulously wealthy and incredibly successful. He said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could realize it doesn't solve your problems. Huh. So what does the God of money promise and fail to deliver? Number one, Security. Security. Mammon lies to us and says, if you have more money, you'll be secure. It says, if you had more money, you can help more people. Listen, God helps people, not money. Amen. Jesus never said, silver and gold, I have a lot of. Here, let me write a check for you. He didn't say that. In, in, my, you know, in the name of my account, get better. <laughs> Jesus didn't say that. Can I have an amen out there? Those who trust in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Our security must be in God, not in money. And those kind of statements that money, it it kind of declares our allegiance to God. We're saying I serve both, and we have to say money is not my source. The other thing it promises is that you'll be a somebody, or you'll have an identity. It'll give you an identity. Mammon, the money God says you'll be a somebody. Somebody. Mamet says if you had more money, people would listen to you. People would follow you. If you had a big house, drive a new car, have nice clothes, then you're somebody. That's not true. If you think about this, look at how culture lies to us. The most significant people sometimes are not the people who always have money. I'm not saying that people with money are not people of influence and not somebody. I'm just saying that it's not a guarantee that they are. In fact, some people who've sacrificed a great amount, people like Firemen and policemen and nurses and missionaries. You understand? They don't, they've made great sacrifices, but they're somebody? Yeah. They've accomplished great things. They're very, very important. And so I don't think it's about money at all, but the money God says it is. Take Hugh Hefner and you contrast him with Mother Teresa who, you know, served people on the streets of India. And, and she's a somebody. And God tells me who I am. Money doesn't tell me who I am. Some of the most important people in the church and in this church are not people of great means or wherewithal, but they are rich towards God and live and give sacrificially. And I want you to know you'll be rich in heaven for that. The money God promises destiny or promises happiness. Luke 12 says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Mammon says, if you had more money, you could have a bright future. And all you need, you could have a great family, a great marriage, a great this, a great that. God will provide everything you need to fulfill your destiny. Only God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The money God says also that it gives you freedom. 1 Timothy 6 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge, plunge people into ruin and destruction. Mammon says, I will make you free. The mammon or money God says, if you have more money, you could do what you want, whenever you want, however you want. You could be like Cain, who in the process of time brought his offering to God. You know what God said to that? Uh-uh. I don't accept that. Both of them brought an offering, but one did it in his own time. He didn't want to to give up and surrender his life to God and give control to God. Mammon lives. Mammon looks for servants. And we're supposed to be servants of God, bond servants of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, only God can bring these things. Only God can bring happiness, joy, peace, Freedom, fulfillment, can I have an amen out there? Destiny, only he can do that. Mammon cannot ruin our lives. We cannot allow it to do so. And I moved to this text in Revelation. I moved it down in your notes, but I want to read this to you. Listen to this. This is kind of a scary point, but now in the future, the devil, now and in the future, the devil won't use um, you know, the military to control us. He'll try to use money to control our allegiance. The Antichrist will not use military power, but monetary power. Revelation 13, it says this, it's, all, it's also forced all the people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hands or on their foreheads so they could not, what, buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This is just, it's, it's an example of how strong, and there's no place on earth where the money God is not strong. The spirit of mammon is not stronger than in America. No place on earth where it's not stronger. And if you want to bring America to its knees, you hit its financial structures, its financial institutions. Look at 9-11. Where did the planes hit? They hit our financial institutions. Because, it, because the enemy knows, who orchestrates those things behind the scenes, how to hit us the hardest. Trust me, the enemy knows that. And people are going forward in these next couple months and even in the new year. As you do, let me urge you to be mindful to break the, the back of the spirit of mammon. How can you do that? Live on less. The best gift you can give yourself this Christmas, get out of debt. Make a commitment to get out of debt. That's the best gift you can give yourself this Christmas. Don't try to do it by yourself. Don't try to do it all alone. Get help. Get help. It's not just make more money. No, it's learn how to live on less. You know what else you can do to break the back of the enemy? Give more. Keep your commitment. The Bible says, he who keeps his word to his own hurt and changes not. The person who does that, Psalm 15, 4, will never be Shaken. You'll never be shaken. Will you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. I went five over. I apologize for what I said. I get on a roll. Let me pray this over you. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads? Lord Jesus, the spirit of mammon is broken. When we place our allegiance our trust, our hope, our faith in God. Help us, Lord Jesus, as your church, not to try to serve both, to only serve one, the one true God, God and God alone. The spirit is broken when we are not fearful but careful with our resources, God. And we've been given, that we've been given to steward, Lord. Help us to steward those wisely in Jesus' name. The spirit is broken when we get out of debt, God. Give us a, just give us a divine dissatisfaction with our circumstances that says, I'm not gonna be this way, I'm not gonna do this anymore. The best thing we can do is commit to be good stewards. Not put a noose around our neck anymore and be unwise in our decisions, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit quicken people, Lord, in this season they're going into, to be wise, to be careful, to be cautious. Lord, encourage them as they give to see their finances come in order, to see the blessing of God, to see they're building an ERA, God, that... Great is their their reward, not only in the life to come, but in this life as well. That giving reflects the heart of God. Giving forces us to steward wisely. Giving builds our future account in heaven. It's our best and wisest investment. Tough times cannot take that away, Father. I pray for every person in this room, Lord Jesus, that was so committed to this process and is committed to this process as we go forward. Lord, bless them, bless them, bless them. It's an honor to pastor these people. I love them tremendously. You love them even more give you honor and praise, Lord, as they go our separate ways, Lord. May we be mindful of all the things we've accomplished for the kingdom today and grateful in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Love you guys. Honor being with you today. Be careful.